Well, this morning, I'm excited because we're going to wrap up our series entitled Not Normal, and uh, we're just going to kind of dive right in. Let's just revisit a couple truths that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. We said that today we are living in a new normal uh, because normal is relevant to the culture, community, and environment that we're in, and we've recognized that uh, there's always a new normal. Things are always constantly changing. We can never go back. Uh, we can only go forward into what that next new normal is going to be. But we also realize something. We said that as Christians, we are not called to a new normal. We are called to a new kingdom, and the kingdom of God is not normal. Can I get an amen about that? The kingdom of God is not normal. Amen. God has called us to something amazing and something awesome, and it's called the kingdom of God. And we get to be a part of something that is forever and eternal and that does not change. Luke 17, verse 21, Jesus said, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. And we recognize that through the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit, God takes up residence. He rules and he reigns in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. His dominion and his domain happen in us and through us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we said that the kingdom of God is more than rules, regulations, and rituals because they change. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we also recognize that righteousness, peace, and joy are the standards of the kingdom of God. Romans 14, 17 said the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we looked at how that, how that there are different expressions of the kingdom of God, and there's different rules and regulations and rituals that govern our lives at different seasons and different phases in our life. And we, we looked at how those rules, regulations, and rituals are necessary. We need rules and regulations. They kind of help govern how we express our faith and how we live out our daily lives. But we also recognize that that the kingdom of God is expressed uniquely in every person's life based on the gift, the calling, and then the convictions of God that are upon your life as an individual. And that you can have a personal expression of faith that manifests the kingdom of God that looks totally different from me. And we talked a little bit about the idea that uh, an expression of Christianity that's going to reach a 15-year-old is probably going to look a little bit different than an expression of Christianity that's going to reach a 60-year-old. And the reality is, is that God loves all people, amen? And every generation has a unique expression of the kingdom of God. And it's not right and it's not wrong, it's just different. And we have to be willing to celebrate, we have to be willing to honor, and we have to be willing to embrace all the expressions of faith and all the expressions of the kingdom because there's only one standard, righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is the standard of God, and if we're operating in the righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit, then all those unique expressions of the kingdom, they don't divide us, they actually unite us and help us to live out our faith in a way that honors and glorifies God. Amen? And that's a good thing. How many are you glad you don't have to look like everybody else, you don't have to walk like everybody else, you don't have to talk like everybody else, you can be a little different. Amen? Uh, Samantha, our youngest daughter, uh, she has always had a flair to be unique, and when we were growing up... I mean, she never wore matching clothes. She always wore different color socks. Her hair was always pink, purple, green, or blue. And she has just always been unique. And one of the things that Kelly and I decided early on raising our daughters uh, and now our son, who's now grown,
on, praise God, and getting to a little better place. That's a good thing. Groan's a big word. Lord bless him. So, uh, but one of the things we decided is that there are some unique expressions, and you know what? Uh, hair grows, and colors change, and all that stuff was not worth a lot of fighting and a lot of fussing, because we had a standard, and our standard wasn't about a hair color. And it wasn't about whether your socks matched or didn't match. Our standard was righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And what we have seen, as she is now uh, our youth pastor, her and John Wesley, is what we have seen is that that unique flair attracts a generation that's not attracted to how cool I am. And I mean, me and Kelly, we're like cool. But apparently we're not that cool. So it's that unique expression. And so every generation has that. And what's awesome about the kingdom of God is we can celebrate that and we can honor that and we can value that and we can embrace that because even though the expression of our faith is different, the standard by which we live is the same. And if you violate the standard of righteousness, peace, and joy, then maybe we have a problem. But if you're living within the standard of righteousness, peace, and joy, those expressions of faith connect us together to reach more people than we could ever reach before. Amen? And how many of you believe God's interested in reaching people? Anybody believe that today? That was kind of weak. How many of you believe God's interested in reaching people? Aren't you glad God reached you? Amen? Aren't you glad God loved you enough to reach out to draw me and you into his kingdom? So, let's talk about how the Holy Spirit does this work in us through righteousness, peace, and joy. So, the Holy Spirit rules and reigns in us by the righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 2.13, I want to just make a real quick statement. This is added bonus for all of you that are here today. I don't know if you are in a habit of memorizing Scripture. If you're not, I would encourage you to take some Scriptures and put them in your heart. Amen. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Uh, and Philippians 2.13 would be a great verse. If you've never memorized the Scripture, this would be a great verse for you to start with because Philippians 2.13, says, for God is working in you. Where's God working? God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is working in you. The Holy Spirit reigns and rules from within. God is working in you. How many know that when you got born again, something changed? Anybody know that? When you got born again and you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, something changed. And what changed is that now you have a new nature and you have a new heart because God is now working in you, giving you a desire to please him. You know what the common denominator of all true Christians is? All true believers in Jesus Christ have a genuine desire to please God. Think about that for a second. All true believers and followers of Jesus Christ have a genuine desire to please God because when God is working in you, the Holy Spirit reigns and rules from the inside out and he gives us a desire to please God. And I would even go so far as to say that if you have no desire to please God, then maybe you're not a child of God. If you have no desire to please Him, then maybe you've not been born again. Because when you get born again, the Spirit of God comes up and takes rest, comes inside you and takes residence in your soul, and He begins to give you a desire. God now starts working in you, giving you a desire to please the Lord. 
And so we have this Holy Ghost desire to please God. And one of the common things that I pray with, Kelly and I pray with people all the time, and you know what most people want, really most Christians want? They want to know the will of God, and they want to do the will of God. I just want to do God's will for my life. I want to know what God's will is, and I want to do God's will. You know where that comes from? That comes from the Holy Spirit. He gives us the desire that wants to please God. And not only does he give us the desire, but the Bible says he also gives us the power to do the things that please the Lord. We're going to talk about that expression of the power of the Holy Spirit in just a minute. So let's talk about how the Holy Spirit rules and reigns in our hearts by righteousness, peace, and joy. Look at righteousness, that next point. So righteousness means to be in right standing with God. But the scripture doesn't say the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Father. And it doesn't say it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Son. It says it's actually righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's unique and special because it's the Spirit of God in you that governs and rules in your heart. Amen? And God reigns from within. And we made this statement last week that if you have to have an external rule that says do not steal to keep you from stealing, then maybe you're not born again. And if you, need to have a big, uh, if you need to have a message written across the sky from God that says do not lie to keep you from lying, then maybe you're not born again, right? Because we know, right, there's this government where God rules and reigns our hearts from the inside out. So righteousness... To be righteous means to be in right standing with God. And the Bible tells us that we have been made the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Hey, y'all let y'all help me out this morning. So, I want you to think about this for just a minute. So, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and now our faith in Him, Jesus paid the price for us to be right with God. When we put our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we're now brought into right standing. We have a right relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. We're blessed, we're forgiven, we are justified just as if we've never sinned. And the Bible says because of that righteousness, we can come boldly before the throne of grace and find mercy to help us in time of need. So whatever you need, you can come boldly before God. You're not trying to earn his favor, you're not trying to earn his love, you're not trying to earn his approval. You are approved, you are loved, and you are favored by God because of what Jesus did. Amen? And when you put your faith in his finished work, you're brought into that right standing. But righteousness in the Holy Spirit is about being right with God by the Holy Spirit. So I want to just work it out like this. So righteousness in the Holy Spirit is about being in step or being in sync with the Holy Spirit. I want to stay right with the Spirit. I've been made right with God, but now I've got to walk in the Spirit. Amen? How many know you can positionally be right with God, uh, but practically not be doing the right thing? And so being righteous in the Holy Spirit is not talking about my position before the Father. It's talking about my practice of whether I am living in step or in sync with the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about that and how the Holy Spirit uses righteousness to advance God's kingdom in and through our lives. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, and do not quench the Spirit. And Galatians 5.16 and 17 says, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So I want to just say this to you today. The secret to winning the battle 
and taking dominion over your flesh is simply walking in the Spirit. Did you hear what Paul said in Galatians 5? He said, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not. And I looked that up in the Greek, and guess what it meant? You will not. You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The key to winning the battle against your flesh, and if we would just be really honest with ourselves today, the greatest enemy that we face is not the enemy out there. Our greatest enemy is not the culture of society. Our greatest enemy is the carnality of our own flesh. See, we have a tendency to be selfish, self-serving, self-advancing, and ultimately self-destructing. I mean, if you look at our lives and look at our world and look at our nation and look at the nations of the world, if you look in the mirror, your greatest enemy is looking back at you. And if you just think about what's happening in America, right, we don't have to have terrorists come in and burn down our cities. We'll burn our own cities. We'll kill our own citizens. We'll abuse our own justice. Think about the world. We self-destruct. And the greatest enemy that we have, T.D. Jake said it like this. He said, the greatest enemy we have is the enemy in me. It's that carnal nature. But here's the good news. If I walk in the Spirit, I will not. That's a pretty powerful promise. I will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I won't lie. I won't cheat. I won't steal. Right? I won't self-destruct. And I won't explode and blow up other people either. Amen? If I walk in the Spirit. So I want you to think about this. Your yes... And your no to the Holy Spirit is critical. How do I walk in the Spirit? I want to boil it down this simple. I walk in the Spirit by saying yes to His yes and saying no to His no. So the Holy Spirit says do that, and I do it. I say yes, Lord. Holy Spirit says don't do that, and I say okay, no. Yes and no. When I say yes to His yes and I say no to His no, all of a sudden something supernatural happens happens. Amen. Look at that point there on the screen. Your yes and your no in sync with the Holy Spirit releases supernatural power that takes dominion over the flesh. Philippians 2.13, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So I want you to consider this for a moment. A moment. The Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit and do not quench the Holy Spirit. To grieve means to make sad or to bring sorrow to And to quench means to extinguish or pour water and put out a fire. And so the Bible says that how we respond to the indwelling, prompting, and leading of the Holy Spirit determines whether or not we grieve the Spirit or whether or not we quench the Spirit. And as I was praying through this and studying this 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 week, the Holy Spirit really showed me something. He said, Keith, he said, "I I am not just grieved and quenched because you're sinning. It's not the fact that you're sinning, and it's not even the fact that you're self-destructing that grieves and quenches my heart. And this is what he said. And he gave me an illustration. He said, think about the people that you love. We all have people, family and friends, that we love and care about. And have you ever seen somebody that you loved and care about make self-destructive decisions? Have you ever seen that? The people that you love and the people you care about, they're making self-destructive decisions. And it grieves your heart, not only, I want you to hear me, it grieves your heart not just because you know there's going to be repercussions to those decisions, but it grieves your heart 
because you know they're better than that. Have you ever literally said that or thought that? You're better than that. That's not who you are. That's not the person you're called to be. That's not what God has for you. You're better than that. See, you see their potential. And you are grieved in your heart, not just because they're making bad choices, but you're grieved in your heart because you see the fullness of their potential and you know that the choices and decisions that they're making are self-destructing their lives and robbing them of the potential of what they could be. And the Lord said to me, he said, Keith, he said, that's what grieves me. It's not just the sin. It's not just the the self-destructive decisions. He said, it's the fact that I know you're better than that. I know what I created you for. I know the potential that I put on the inside of you. And I know what you've been called to. And it grieves me and it quenches my heart whenever I see you live short of your potential. But then he said, not only are you living short of your potential, but you're living short of your power. (laughs) He said, because not only do you have the potential to live an amazing life, but I also have given you the power to live that life. But I want you to recognize something today. The Bible says that God is working in us, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Desire comes first. But once God gives you the desire to do what pleases him, you have to make a decision. Because how many of you understand when you got saved, you did not become a Christian robot? You still have a mind, and that mind needs to be renewed, and you still have a will, and that will needs to be submitted to God. And it is your choice, I want you to hear this, so you have the desire. You know what's frustrating about living a defeated Christian life? Let me just be really honest. The thing that's frustrating about living a defeated Christian life is that you want to do right. When you're out in the world, you didn't care about doing right. (laughs) But now you're born again and you want to do the right thing. You want to please God, but you keep struggling and you keep falling and you keep living this defeated Christian life. And let me tell you why. Because desire comes from God, and that's one thing. But between desire and power, there's a decision. You've got to say yes to his yes, and you've got to say no with his no in order to experience his power. But here's the good news. It's there. The power that you need to live in victory over your flesh is yours. It has been given to you by the Holy Spirit, and he gives you the desire, and he gives you the power to do what pleases him. And we've all experienced this. When we think about our lives, we have a tendency, it's really a carnal tendency, to think about our failures and our shortcomings. But you know what? When I look across this room, you know what I see? I see a lot of stories of success. There are a lot of victories in this room here today, right? Can't you think about your life and know, hey, there's a lot of victories. There's a lot of wins that we have experienced and enjoyed individually and corporately in our life. There are a lot of victories in this room here today. 
And if you'll think back on those victories, God has many times maybe prompted you to do things you didn't feel comfortable doing. God has told you not to do something that maybe you really wanted to do. And you know what? Every time you said yes to his yes, and every time you said no with his no, all of a sudden there was a release of power. And you may not even understand it, but all of a sudden you found out you had whatever you needed to say no to that thing, and you have whatever you needed to say yes to that thing. And one of the greatest examples for me is if you've ever had God prompt you to pray for somebody or witness to somebody or encourage somebody, and you're sitting there thinking, wow, Lord, I don't know what to say, and I'm not really comfortable praying with people, and and I just just don't even know what to do. But the moment you say yes, and you open your mouth, you walk away. You know what happens many times? You walk away, and you're like, wow, who was that? I don't even remember memorizing that scripture. Where did that come from? It came from five years old when you were in Sunday school and your Bible teacher and the Holy Spirit brought it to your remembrance and you're quoting something you ain't heard in 20 years. Why? Because God gives you the desire and when you say yes to the desire, he releases the power to do what you've been called to do. Your yes and your no in sync with him, the Holy Spirit is the key that releases power. That's righteousness. How do I, God wants to govern us by righteousness. Again, it's not external rules. It's internal obedience to the promptings of the Holy Spirit that release the dominion of God in me so I can walk in victory. You can walk in victory over every area of your flesh. Amen? So let's talk about peace. Look at that next point. So peace, the word literally means rest, harmony, tranquility. The Holy Spirit governs our hearts with peace. Colossians 3.15 says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. That word rule literally means to govern or umpire your soul. Let it govern your soul. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. The Holy Spirit governs our heart with peace. So he governs our heart with righteousness, just staying in step with the Holy Spirit. Yes to his yes and no to his no. And then he governs our hearts with peace. I want you to think about how the Holy Spirit rules in your life. Have you ever made a decision, and before you made the decision, you didn't have peace? You ever done that? You ever made a decision, and, and, and it just, you, just, you just didn't have peace? But you made it anyway. You ever done one of those things? 99.99.99.9% of the time, when you make a decision that violates the peace of God in your heart, you usually regret that decision. I can think of some decisions that I regretted making, and here's, here's, here's the kicker. When I made it, when I made that decision, I knew in here. I didn't know up here, but I knew in here it was the wrong decision. Why? Because God governs our heart by peace. The Holy Spirit rules in our hearts by peace. It's the peace of God in us that releases the dominion of God and the power of God and the authority of God for us to live the life God's called us to live. Now let's flip the coin for a second. Have you ever made a hard, difficult decision, but you had peace making it? Ever done that? You ever had to make a really hard decision, but you just knew in your heart you had peace. 
and you knew this was what God had called you to do, I'm just going to tell you, and our elders and our leaders here at Liberty Church could tell you, we've got an awesome team of people, and I'm so thankful for all the folks that serve on our teams here at Liberty Church. But we've made some hard decisions over the years, and as a pastor, I've had to make some hard decisions. Even during this COVID-19, we've had to make some really hard decisions about what we're going to do, what we're not going to do, how we're going to open, where we're going to open, all those things. And you know, here's what you know, on the front end, you know uh, that there are going to be people that are going to agree with it and love it, and there are going to be people that are going to disagree with it and hate it. (laughs) But I can make a hard decision if I have peace. And not only can I make a hard decision, here's the difference between being stable and consistent. Let me somebody say, here's the difference between living in faith and being double-minded. It's called the peace of God. I can make a hard decision and maintain it if I have peace. But if I make a hard decision and I don't have peace, I'm going to be double-minded. Oh, should I have done that? Oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. Should I change? Oh, no, should I do that? Oh, no, I should do this. No, maybe I should do that. And how, let's just, let's just be honest, how miserable that place is. See, God governs our heart by peace. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let it govern your soul because the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace in the Holy Spirit. So if I will honor the peace of God that is within me, it'll keep me in that river of righteousness where I will stay in step with the Holy Spirit. So peace kind of becomes a bumper. You ever went bumper bowling? Man, that's the best kind of bowling. You can't even hit the ditch. Let me tell you what God does. The peace of God, and we're going to see the joy of the Lord are the bumpers of life. It's what God does to keep us in the river of righteousness so that we can flow and go with the Holy Spirit and experience the life that God has for us. If you violate his peace, and we're going to see if you violate his joy, you get outside the river of righteousness. And you usually end up in the gutter. Amen? So let's talk about joy. So joy is cheer, it is delight, it is gladness and pleasure. The word joy is not overwhelming enthusiasm. It is just a calm delight. It is that pleasure of the Lord that's upon your life. And I want you to see this. The Holy Spirit affirms and confirms us through the pleasure of the Lord. Psalms 149 verse 4 says, the Lord takes pleasure in his people and he will beautify the humble with salvation. I love Matthew 3, 17. Jesus has just been baptized. He's coming up out of the water and God the Father speaks from heaven and look at what he, look at what he says. This is my beloved son in whom I am well Please, the pleasure of the Lord. So let's talk about those hard decisions for just a minute. So you make a hard decision, but you have peace. You make a hard decision, but you know you're in step with the Holy Spirit. But three months down the road, you're not seeing the results that you wanted to see. You ever been there, done that? You ever made a decision? You believed it was a decision the Lord wanted you to make? You had the peace of God to make that decision? But three months down the road, what you thought was going to happen still hadn't happened. The progress, the success, the transformation, whatever it might be, it, it hasn't happened yet. And so now you're, you're a little bit in this journey and you're starting to question, did I miss God? 
I had peace. I felt like I was saying yes to what the Holy Spirit wanted me to say yes to, but now I'm not seeing the results that I wanted to see. So how do I know I'm on the right path? You know what God does? God uses joy to affirm and confirm us. The pleasure of the Lord. You just feel his pleasure. Let me just say this to you today. If you live the life God has called you to live, if you live exactly in the will of God, there are still going to be hard, difficult, challenging times. Jesus lived a perfect life and died on a cross. He was rejected, he was despised, he was criticized, he was judged, he was misunderstood. He lived a perfect life. And you can do exactly what God's called you to do, and there's still going to be difficult, challenging times in your life. And it's in those difficult, challenging times in your life that you need the pleasure of the Lord. I can just feel, I just know, I just feel God's pleasure. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is the path I'm supposed to be on. It's not easy, but I feel his pleasure. It's difficult, but I feel his pleasure. It's really hard, but I feel his pleasure. I want to pull my hair out, but I feel his pleasure. Man, that's so powerful. Because if you remember, we talked about the power of living out of the kingdom, living from within instead of living from without, is that it creates stability and consistency. I don't have to fluctuate with the rising tide of culture because I'm going to live by righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so I can walk in step with the Holy Spirit. I can honor the joy of the Lord. I can honor the pleasure of God, which is his joy. And I can stay in the river. Because if I violate his joy or I violate his peace, then I've missed God. Amen? Now let me give you some good news. God hasn't called you to be miserable. <laughs> the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. Amen? God hasn't called you to be miserable. I just want to say this. I wrote it down this week. Holy Spirit really quickened it. He said, Keith, if you meet a miserable, judgmental, critical Christian, when you meet a miserable, judgmental, critical Christian, you can know one thing. It doesn't mean they're not saved. It just means they're not living in the kingdom. When you meet a miserable, judgmental, critical, cynical Christian that has no peace and has no joy and thinks everybody else ought to be miserable with them, it's not that they're not saved or born again. It's just that they're not living from within the kingdom. They've got out of the river of righteousness, and the Lord just gave me this little picture. He said, the banks of the river are joy and peace. The river is the righteousness of God, and if you'll stay between joy and peace, you'll ride the river. He said, when you get outside of joy and peace, you end up having to walk up the mountain instead of riding the river. And we got a lot of Christians walking, which simply means this. They're trying to live the Christian life in their own abilities and their own strength. And the Bible says it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by God's Spirit, says the Lord. How's the mountain going to fall? How's the enemy going to be defeated? How's the way going to be made? It's not going to be because you walk faster and harder than anybody else. It's going to be because you rode the river. <laughs> and if you'll ride the river of righteousness through the banks of joy and peace, you can stay in a place that is refreshing and full of life. Amen? Let me give you one last thought before we wrap up in prayer. So we are not called to a new normal. We are called to a new kingdom. 
And when we operate in the kingdom, I want you to hear this. When we operate in the kingdom, we can take dominion over every circumstance, every spirit, and every stronghold in life through righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you how you take over. You want to take dominion over the circumstances and situations of your life. You want to take dominion over the spirit of fear and worry and anxiety. You want to take dominion over the stronghold of addiction or insecurity or, or, or pride or jealousy or bitterness or resentment. Let me tell you how you take authority over every circumstance and every situation. It's called righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I read a book years ago, Jerry Savelle, I believe, wrote the book, said, if the devil can't steal your joy, he can't have your stuff. <laughs> if I stay in peace and I stay in the joy of the Lord, then I'll stay in righteousness. If I stay in step with the Holy Spirit, then I can conquer anything. And when I, when I, when I attack the circumstances, situations, and circumstances of my life, not with frustration, not with anger. How many of you understand, man? Let me talk to all you men right here for just a second. How many of you understand, man, that you don't take dominion over your home by screaming and yelling and throwing things? That's not how you take dominion. You might instill fear and have control, but you won't have authority over that home. You might have control, but you won't be an authority. Because the moment the people that are living under your tyrant, anger, gets a chance to escape, they probably will. Because nobody likes living in fear. The way you take dominion over your family, man, you want to walk in authority in your home? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Do the right thing in the eyes of God. Obey the Holy Spirit. Ladies, let's just flip the coin for a second. Because you can scream and yell and throw things just as good as most men I know. And you can't cry, you can't scream, and you can't nag, and you can't complain, and you can't criticize your way into authority and dominion. You can't change your family by cursing it. You can't change your job by defaming it. You can't change your children by belittling them. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That's how we win. And let me just tell you something. The devil doesn't have a defense against it. He doesn't know how to fight it. When you do what is right in the eyes of God, even when it's not convenient, when you do what is right in the eyes of God, even when it's hard, when you do what is right in the eyes of God, even when nobody else around you is doing the right thing, there's no wall of defense that the devil can erect to stop you from advancing the kingdom. When you walk in peace and you walk in joy, there's no wall of defense to keep you from moving forward. Kelly and I used to work with the youth, and one of the things I tell all the young guys is they started getting jobs and working out in the workplace. Man, if you're a young guy and you go to work, man, there's going to be people going to pick on you and aggravate you and call you names and try to frustrate you, and that doesn't stop when you're young, right? We know that, right? That happens on the job. You know how to stop it. See, the more, the more they frustrate you, the more they pick on you. you get, the more fuel they pour on the fire. The way you take dominion over that circumstance is you refuse to lose your joy. 
You refuse to lose your peace and you refuse to not walk in the Spirit. And not only, hear me, not only will they stop picking on you, but they'll actually start privately coming to you for advice and counsel on how they need to live their life. Now they may never publicly tell their buddies, hey, I really look up to that guy. But privately, when all hell breaks loose, you're going to be the person they're going to say, hey, could you pray for my family? Could you pray for my kids? Could you pray for our situation? Could you help me out? Because that's how you take dominion. You take dominion over the darkness by righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's how we win. Amen. Now I want us to do something today. Let's just bow our heads. And if you're watching online, I want you just to take a reverent posture before the Lord. Let's just be still for a moment. And I want to make two challenges today. Maybe you're here today, or maybe you're watching online, and you're a Christian. You know you're born again. And maybe you realize you've got the desire to do what pleases God, but you're just falling short, and you're just falling short, and you're just falling short. The victory is in your yes. It's in your yes. Saying yes to the Holy Spirit. Saying yes to the peace of God. Saying yes to the joy of the Lord. That's where your victory is today. And you can take dominion over your flesh, and you can take dominion over your circumstances. By simply saying, hey, today, God, I want to live in that river. I want to allow the peace of God and the joy of the Lord to be the banks of the river that keep me in right step with the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to say yes to your yes, God, and I'm going to say no to your no. And I'm going to refuse. I'm going to refuse to walk the bank when I've been invited to ride the river. You can ride the river today. And I want to just challenge you right now as a believer just to do some business right now. Maybe there's a specific situation. Maybe there's a specific struggle in your own personal heart and life. Let's just say yes to God today. Let's say yes to the peace, yes to the joy, and yes to righteousness. And maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're watching online. And maybe you know that today, without a shadow of a doubt, you've never really been born again. I'm not saying you're not a good person. You may be an amazing person. But good people don't go to heaven. Saved people do. Jesus said you must be born again. It's not rules and regulations. It's a heart that's changed from the inside out. And it really is as simple as saying, Jesus, I believe. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again on the third day so that I could be made right with God. And I want to ask you today to come into my heart and my life, be my Lord and my Savior. If that's you today, if you're in this room or maybe you're watching online, if you're here today, I want you just to stand up right now. Just a simple act of faith. Just stand to your feet. Today, I want to be born again. If you're online, I want you just to reach out to us today. Click on that button and say, hey, today I want to be born again. Make a comment that says, hey, that's me. I want to accept Christ today. Do something. Why do we need to do something? I want to tell you why you need to do something, because faith without works is dead. If you're standing, our usher's going to put a little packet in your hand today. If you're online, if you'll click on that Connect to Us link, we'd love to follow up with you, personally call you and connect with you. 
help you take that next step. So let's just pray this prayer. If you're standing today, if you're ready to accept Christ online, let's just pray this out loud. Everybody with me today. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose again on the third day. I confess that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I ask you to save me and forgive me. I make Jesus the Lord of my life. And I receive the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.